Welcome to the MTB Tribe Podcast, your trail map for the world of mountain biking. And now, I'll introducing your host, Gareth Beckett. Good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome, mountain bikers. Thanks for being here. And welcome to episode number 61 of the MTB Tribe Podcast. I'm here as always to help you find out more about mountain biking, how to get out in the trails, keep you stoked, and hopefully learn a little more about mountain biking and the people involved. So thanks so much for being here. Thanks for listening to the show. And if it's your first time on the show, I hope you really do enjoy it. We have a great show lined up for you today. So if you're listening via Apple Podcasts, which they are now called, thanks so much. You can share the show there. You can rate the show and you can leave a review. I would really appreciate that. It helps the show get seen by more people and that's what we're all about. We're about getting people off the sofa and on the saddle. So if you do that, I will really appreciate it. Five stars is always the best, you know, of course. Um, Stitcher and Spotify is also available to listen to the show. You can also simply just go to the website www.mtb-tribe.com and listen to the show there. Stream it from there. You can download it onto whatever system you're using from there also. You'll get all the back issues of the episodes there too. So you can search, you can go back and uh, they're all available on there, all 61 of them. So you can check those out. So thanks so much folks. On socials you'll find us at Instagram and uh, Facebook uh, just simply at MTB Tribe so uh, you can get involved there drop me a message whatever you can also get involved more so by subscribing to the show simply go to the website subscribe and uh, you can drop me an email you can get in contact that way so that is also cool if you do that thanks so much now on to today's show and on episode 61 we are chatting with the bear Rob Allcoat. I've been following Rob on Instagram for a little while and just loved his attitude. I love for mountain biking and the energy he put out with his posts and videos was really cool. So I reached out and asked him if he wanted to come on the podcast for a chat about what he does, how he stays motivated, how he went about getting ambassadorships and sponsorships, things like that. And Rob was kind enough to say yes and we quickly set it up. Now, Rob is sponsored by Calibre Bikes, so we get into that a good wee bit, and um, it's quite an interesting topic, and it's an interesting chat, because um, I'm really interested in, in how Rob finds those bikes and stuff, so that's a good one. You know, and Rob has a passion for getting people out on the trails, and through sponsorships and growing social community, he has been able to reach out to more people and motivate people to start mountain biking, get out in nature, and enjoy exercise on two wheels. Um, and for Rob, I think... That is what it's all about. He really enjoys that side of the mountain biking community. Um, And, you know, he's fully aware of what mountain biking does for his overall mental state, his energy and love for life. And he simply wants to pass that on to as many people as he can. So he's in a good place, Rob. You know, he's a really good lad. Um, And he's doing a great job so far. A lot of people are stoked on the content he puts up on socials and stuff. And um, He's a great, great lad, so I hope you really enjoy the episode, and I think you'll get a lot out of this episode, um, because Rob is just like us guys, you know, he just does it for passion, he does it for love, and um, he does it great, he does it brilliant, so I think you'll get a lot out of this uh, episode, I certainly enjoyed chatting with him and took a lot from it, so let's get him on the show, and welcome Rob to the MTB Tribe Podcast. Hi Rob, welcome to the MTB Tribe podcast. Thanks for coming on again. <laughs> no worries, mate. No worries. Um, 
just so the listeners know, we had recorded this previously and something went weird with the recording settings or whatever, and you've been so kind to come back on again, so thanks so much. Not a problem, dude. I mean, obviously last time we had a good old chat, and uh, yeah, let's just crack on and get back get, get back over what we talked about. Yeah, yeah, and I did try to salvage the audio, but I just couldn't do it. It just was weird and didn't sound right, and it was just strange, so... No, no, it's all good. Awesome, awesome. It sounded like we were in a different planet or something. It was that bad. Uh, I think most <laughs> time people talk to me, they think that. <laughs> oh, classic, right. Well, um, I wanted to get you on the show because I, I follow your Instagram account and I just love the energy and the stoke that comes through from your Instagram account and your videos and everything else there. Um, so that's why I asked you on. So, so it was very cool of you to come on. Awesome. Um, but first thing I want to ask you, your username in Instagram is Robolcoat the Bear. Yeah, that's it. Is the bear your nickname, I take it? Um, yeah, well, it wasn't, and it kind of stuck. We were down at a big ride at Windhill last year, and I'd not long been on flare clothing, and one of the boys called me the flare bear, so it kind of just stuck from there, and I've just sort of adapted it and got like little stickers made with a bear on, and, and people seem to know it. <laughs> So that, that's it. Sort of worked out. Oh, brilliant, brilliant! No, that's a good story. Um, so you've only been the bear for about a year or so. Yeah, yeah. Before that, I was just just plain old Rob. <laughs> oh, well, that's cool, man. It's always nice to be called after an animal. I think you know. Yeah, I mean, I'm 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 quite bear esque sort of thing. I'm quite a, a large guy and a bit hairy with a big beard, so it kind of fits. <laughs> Um, it is awesome. Uh, the guy that Matt Sanders, who's from Alaska, I had him on the podcast that aired today. Yeah. And um, I got a comment from one of the listeners, and he said, "I really enjoyed the listening, but I didn't. He didn't sound like he had a beard." Yeah. Because <laughs> <laughs> I put a post up um, on Instagram with a photo of Matt, and he's yeah. a, he's a big burly kind of mountain man with a beard and. You know, he's a big lad. Um, and, uh, yeah, I just thought that comment was brilliant. I just thought yeah. it was awesome. Yeah, I mean, it's weird because, like, you, you sort of see people and then you hear their voice and you're like, oh, I wouldn't expect him to sound like that. Yeah, that's <laughs> cool. It's cool. Now, I want to talk to you about your skate park videos because yeah. they're cool. They're really good on Instagram. You seem to be in the park quite a lot. Um can you tell us a wee bit about where that park is and stuff? Yeah, it's a place called Adrenaline Alley in Corby, and it's I'd say it's probably about 10 minutes from where I live. So I'm super lucky to have that that close to me. And Calibre letting me have the dirt jump bike has just sort of made me want to get in there more and more with the winter. Yeah, that's cool. And that's that's a, is that a privately owned park? Or? Uh, yeah, I think it it got lottery funding um it's you sort of pay fee sessions it's like uh, seven pound for two hours or you can do all day sort of thing but the facilities there are unreal i mean there's there's like two foam pits two resi boxes small ramps big ramps vert ramps everything you can sort of think of yeah it does look awesome on uh, your footage for sure and now that's indoors is there an outdoor section as well yeah, they've got a little sort of skate plaza and a pump track outside, which obviously now now the winter's sort of come in, it doesn't really get used. But in the summer, the pump track and the skate park outside gets uh, used a hell of a lot. Mm-hmm. And you get skaters, bladers? Yeah, you get everything. Scooters, uh, yeah. skaters, rollerbladers, mountain bikes, BMXs. Everyone sort of gets on with each other. And it's just a, a nice place to sort of go. 
no major crashes? Uh, no, I mean, you get a few scooter kids sort of getting away and you just sort of knock them over, but they generally get back <laughs> up. When they're that small, they seem to bounce off the floor. Well, in snowboarding, we call, we call um, you know, young young kids, we call them speed speed bumps or whatever. Yeah. Like, that kind of thing. Yeah, that's it, yeah. <laughs> and is there plenty of scooters in there? Scooters seem to be getting really popular again. Yeah, I mean it's it. I think because it's quite accessible and it's it's not as heavy as a bike and as big as a bike and um, I think a lot of kids sort of can get into it. I mean it it does get a hell of a lot of them in there and sometimes they're they're a bit of a hindrance, but they're there for the same reason as us, just to have fun. So it's it's all good. Yeah, exactly, exactly. No, uh, so why have you been doing a ton of riding in the skate park? Um, purely because winter's coming and it's, it's a bit indoors, but riding the hardtail sort of takes me back to my roots, BMXing and jump bikes. And it sort of, it keeps your skills for the, the full suspension bikes in check because there you haven't got that cushion. You have to learn to pump and you have to sort of make your legs and your body do stuff. Mm, yeah, it certainly looks like that in your footage. And I, I think it's something that would certainly keep you fit over the winter yeah yeah i'm i'm hoping it gets me fitter but um yeah it definitely keeps you sort of like two hours in the skate park and you you know you've been there Mm, and i'm sure it's a lot more enjoyable than being on a static thing in the house eh? oh yeah definitely yeah yeah because i mean you get there you get a good group of mates and you sort of learn some new tricks and stuff like that and you just sort of have a have a good old laugh you have a few crashes here and there but you're all right it's funny because you know, I think BMX is maybe coming back a wee bit as well. Oh, yeah, massively. Like, um, I mean, I before I got the dirt jump bike, I had a BMX, so I'd gone that. Um, but it just felt a bit too small and twitchy because I wasn't used to it. But, I mean, yeah, BMX is, is massive now. Like, it's, it's a huge sport. Mm, it's good to see. And yeah, yeah. Yeah, brilliant. And, and where I live here at the minute in Malter, Rob, there's... About 10 minutes from me, there's a really, really good skate park. And it's just a big cement bowl, you know, but it's got, it's got like a boat, like a swimming pool bowl yeah, on one yeah. side. And then it's got a massive, massive big bowl. And then there's different, you know, jumps and things in the middle. Yeah, and, yeah. But it's really, really cool. And I was thinking, because it's on my way to work, and I was thinking, I was going to get a, a BMX or a, a, a dirt jump bike or something and go yeah. in there for an hour before I go to work every morning. <laughs> oh, that'd be insane. <laughs> yeah, I was going to do that. But, well, that was before I broke my collarbone, so that's uh, right. But yeah. Uh, but, yeah, it looked awesome. And then I went online and I started to look at that kind of stuff a wee bit more, and it does seem really popular now. Yeah, I mean, I think because a, lo- a lot of the local sort of authorities and councils and stuff are, are sort of seeing that, there's more kids into the scooters, the BMX, the skating. It's taking them away from being troublemakers, essentially. And and sort of like when you get like a kid and they'll go land a flip and and it's sort of they'll put it on their Instagram or their social media and it sort of blows up and they're like, oh, yeah, and it's, it's good. It, it spreads good positivity. It gets people out and doing stuff and, and generally like not causing trouble. And that, what you find at a lot of these places is there's not really – a lot of animosity between skaters and bmxers and mountain bikers everyone gets on so it's it's good it's bringing people together that you wouldn't normally sort of hang about with yeah no that's really cool that that's great to see and you know it's it's cool because that the mountain biking scene is very much like that 
So if, yeah. it, if it can carry on into a park with, you know, skaters and scooters and all this, that's pretty cool, eh? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, the mountain bike scene, like, no matter where you go, you'll see people on Instagram, like, and you'll be like, you'll travel two or three hours, and you'll be like, you'll meet them, and, oh, didn't realise you're from around here, and they've gone to Revolution, like, downhill days and stuff, the same as you, or Bike Park Wales, mm. and you sort of see people you only see on Instagram, you're like, oh, hello, mate, how are you? And you sort of get to meet new people. Mm, yeah, no, it's, it's cool, man, it really is good. It's lovely to see that scene coming back. Now, Let's chat about the bike you're using in there. Yeah. Um, so it's not it's not a BMX, it's a, a dirt jumper, yeah? Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, it was a calibre, only built 100 of them, and they sort of built it for themselves for local pump tracks and dirt jumps and stuff, and they, and they put it into production. Mine is a standard production bike apart from the grips, which I've swapped out, but other than that, it's as it would come out of the shop for anyone to buy it and... I mean, I'm I'm quite a big guy, and I give it a bit of a thrashing, and everything's still straight, nothing's bent, and it it loves it. I mean, I, it's probably my favourite bike at the minute. I'm spending the most time on that more than anything. Hmm. Yeah, and it's hard tail uh, with suspension at the front. What's the travel yeah. in that? A uh, hundred mil on on the forks. Okay. Cool. Um, it's funny because when I was thinking of going to the skate park, I've never done anything like that on a bike before. So. Yeah. Um, I got in contact with Alistair Beckett, who I've had on the podcast. He was the main man behind Nuke Proof at one time. Oh, yeah. Um, designed the bike for Sam Hill and all that kind of stuff. Um, he nice. started his own company now, Redburn Designs, but still within the mountain bike industry. Yeah. So he was telling me, yeah, if you can, if you're going to use it, if you can afford it, so we went more expensive, get a dirt jumper. Yeah. If not, just get a BMX, still yeah, do yeah. the job. Um, so what do you find the main difference between the dirt jumper and the BMX? Um, being a little bit older, the dirt jump offers a little bit of forgiveness. Um, whereas the BMX is very hard, like very firm. So if you land something and miss a transition, it goes to flat, your wrist sort of know about it where you've got a little bit of suspension on the dirt jump bike, mm. you get a little, a tiny little bit more comfort, but it's just, uh, for me, it's being a bit more stable going faster. Um, like the BMX, if you go on the back wheel, it's a very fine margin for, sitting in the manual position or sort of overshooting whereas on the mountain bike the dirt jump you can sort of sit in the position but a lower front wheel and you can sort of handle it a bit better mm, yeah cool yeah no it, it sounds good and you know it's interesting again because one of the local guys back home in northern ireland um just ride your bike and i i think um he's been going to the an indoor skate park there quite a lot yeah um, more and more often and i think he's getting he's getting hooked do you find do you enjoy that as much as the trail or more yeah or? yeah it, it, well i sort of go there with um no sort of expectations so i'll turn up have a roll around sort of get warmed up and stuff and then i'll be like oh i'll try a 360 on the resi box and if you crash it doesn't really hurt and then you'll sort of hit a new new jump or line in there or try a a new manual line or something like like a 180 to disaster and stuff like that so it's it's always something new to learn whereas on the trail if you've ridden the trail say five or six times you sort of you, you're trying to find new stuff but you can't always find it whereas in a skate park there's so many multiple lines and and different things you can try i don't think you could ever run out of things to try Mm. <laughs> so i think both of them set would set really well together just yeah 
Aye, that's cool. And is there any is there any young guys on there rep? Um, yeah, I mean, there's a there's a, a few guys that sort of go there. Um, a few of the local lads we we ride with go over there. I mean, we went over Saturday night, and one of the lads that ride with us uh, learnt three sixties, and then he went and learnt a three sixty flip in the same night. Wow! And then and then there's a couple of lads that go there and they can do like double back flips. Uh, I mean, w- one of my original sort of mates from riding, Glenn, he was probably the first person to. Um, do double backflips in Corby on a mountain bike, hmm. and then like you've got like the new breed of riders. Um, like there's a lad we were with Dan at the weekend. He he does double flips and like mad three sixties and tail whips and stuff. And then you've got pro riders that come and ride there as well. So it's a, it's a good mix of everything. It's just getting crazy, isn't it? Yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it's it's basically gymnastics, but with a bike attached to you. Yeah, totally is. Totally is. Do you see any? downside to riding the skate park um i mean if you if you're an out and out mountain biker and you go in there and you get used to being indoors and stuff like that then maybe that side of it you'd be like oh, i don't want to go and get muddy this week we'll go in my skate park instead mm. but i honestly can't really see any sort of non-benefits because if you jump in then you're learning to jump um you've got the big sort of bowl corners which is almost replicating a big berm so you you could get better at cornering but it's generally the the bike handling skills that you're going to learn in there will improve you on a on a mountain bike yeah yeah um it certainly looks that way and i'm going to put a link to that on the show notes because i want people to check that out because it it does look amazing yeah 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 it is yeah yeah it's very cool um what has been your worst fall there? Any bad accidents? Um, I mean, when I was BMXing last year there, I attempted a 360, but uh, came down on my knee and it sort of moved a bit of cartilage around and sort of gave me a few problems there. But other than that, not really anything too bad because there is foam pits and there is resi boxes. So if you crash, crash on the resi, the worst thing that's going to get you is your bike landing on you. What's other a resi that, box? Um, it's... Essentially foam underneath, but then with a layer of um, it's almost plastic, but it's it sort of moves and folds. So if you landed on it, you're not going to sort of well, you technically you won't break your arm, but if you land at a funny angle, you still could. So it's it's almost like having a mattress with a bit of plastic over the top oh. to sort of aid you if you crash, sort of thing. Right. Oh, that's good. That's a good yeah. idea. Yeah. So to an old boy like me wanting to start in a skate park and it's totally out of his mind, um, what advice would you give? Um, just don't go in there and be too scared of everything. Start on the small stuff, work your way up, um, sort of gain a bit of confidence. And then when you feel ready, like hit the resi box and learn to learn to air. Because if you do land and you come off, you're not going to hurt yourself. Where if you try on a jump box and you case and then go to wood on the flat bottom, you might sort of dislocate your shoulder if you land funny. Whereas on the resi, you'll just slide out sort of thing. Mm, yeah good advice so just don't be scared but take it easy don't yeah 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 don't go too mad like obviously you can go in there and be like oh there's a foam pit i'm going to try flips um and if you get them get them sort of in foam like really good then try it on the resi so but don't go straight to like wooden boxes just sort of build your way up yeah cool and what kind of price is it to use that rob uh i think we go on for an evening session which is two hours and it's like seven pound so it's basically the same as if you bought your lunch out sort of thing. 
Ah, he's kind of like a cinema tiger or something, eh? Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. Apart from you're not sitting down, you're having more fun and you're sort of having a laugh with your mates. Yeah, no, it sounds awesome. Right, cool. Let's chat a wee bit about you then. Um, where did you get your passion for mountain biking? Um, I've always sort of been into bikes. Um, and then there is, I sort of rode BMX. And then one day I met a long-time friend, uh, Billy, and we just sort of started riding street with each other like trials and then the sort of the local lot sort of got a bit bigger and then there was about 10 of us that rode and then sort of a lot a sort of a mountain bike film sort of started coming out and it was when a film called Chainspotting uh came out it's like 1999 2000 and watched that and it was just like this is what I want to do this this is what I enjoy doing I mean I've tried football I've tried bits and bobs like that, but I've always come back to bikes. It's just that thrill of being on the edge where mm. if you, you, you hit a corner fast and you feel like your front wheel's going to wash out and you can hit the dirt or you hit a jump for the first time. And that, that little buzz you get, it just it just keeps bringing you back. Yeah, it's, it's, it's pretty unique. I think it's like a lot of adrenaline sports that, you know, you just need that wee bit of fear, that wee bit of risk. Yeah. It just makes it all that different. Yeah, that's it. And especially when you've got like your mates with you and there's a big group of you and someone does something, you're like, oh, I've got to do it now. I've got to try and do it. <laughs> so how long have you been biking for? Uh, I'd say on and off since I was about 13, 14, so 20 years at least. Right, cool, man. Cool, that's cool. Uh, and whereabouts are you from, Rob? Uh, I'm from Northamptonshire in the UK. It's not very hilly. Uh, the local sort of riding spots would be Woburn Sands, where that sort of like the burn crew are from. I'm a part. It's like a collective of lads that are from like Essex Way, Milton Keynes here, and we just sort of build trails there and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and would your main friends that you hang about with in the weekend would they all be bikers? Yeah, 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 definitely. Yeah. Yeah, I think that's quite important. Yeah, I mean, with there's there's only a few of us in the town where we live. There's probably about six of us, and then, like I say, there's there's the lads from Milton Keynes, and then the lads down Essex, few in Cambridge, and we can sort of organise a day where we'll say, oh, we'll go riding, and there'll be twenty of us turn up. It's a it's sort of a big group like that. Yeah, well, that's awesome. And I seen footage. Uh, I think it was maybe on your Instagram of you roll at a bar watching Rampage. Yeah, yeah, um, local bike shop um, called Brink uh, near Chicksands Bike Park. They sort of, it was their third birthday and they put Rampage on, did a barbecue, got beers going, invited a load of people over. So yeah, just sort of the scene like that where they invite people and everyone just goes and has a bit of a laugh with each other. Mm, that's cool. And did I notice Becky Skeleton there? Yeah, yeah, Becky was there, yeah. Um, yeah. She, one of the lads in the burn crew, Jono, um Jono's, girl, Jono's girlfriend's Becky and I've known Jono and Matt since they were probably about 10 years old mm-hmm. so it's quite weird seeing them grow up and then yeah Beck came out to Morzine with us when we was out there as well yeah cool that girl is a demon in the gym man yeah yeah she she rips the gym and she's pretty handy on a bike as well yeah I would say so the stuff she she does in the gym I, oh, I, I get sore watching it, you know. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> That's class. Um, so let's chat a wee bit about um, your sponsors and the gear you use and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah. Because um, I know you're you're sponsored by Caliber Bikes. Yeah. 
Um, and let's chat about that because I was trying to get Mike Sanderson um, on the show, and yeah. he's the, he's the main man behind Caliber, isn't he? Yeah, yeah, he's the guy that sort of designs everything and gets all the prototypes going and stuff like that. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. And he was to come on the show, but um, we just couldn't make it work, and then we kind of lost contact a wee bit. But I must reach out and try and get him back on. Yeah, for sure. Um, now I want to tell you a wee story about Caliber, and this was one of the main reasons I asked Mike on. One of my local trails, Dava, there's um, a husband and wife team go up there. They're there quite regularly. Yeah. Um, the the man has, I think he's on his second caliber. Yeah. Um, but the wife was on, I had, I had really, I couldn't even tell you what brand of bike it was, but I know it was a real, it was a good one. You know, it was a, yeah. a high-end brand. Um. But because he loved his calibers so much and she was kind of wanting to upgrade, get something new, she got a caliber as well um, yeah. and, and saved a bunch of money, et cetera, et cetera. But I was chatting to them on the trails and they just love their bikes. Yeah. Um, and, you know, it's weird because I, I'm not sure what it's like with you there in your scene and stuff, but over here in Ireland and Northern Ireland, they're sold through Halfords and it kind of taints them a wee bit. It gives them a wee bit of a, a bad name almost. Yeah. But, like, their stuff gets great reviews. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've been riding mine, when did I get mine? Probably about seven, eight weeks ago. Uh, I've raced it. I've, I've rode it hard. I've, I've sort of freshed it around. I've done I've done everything on it, basically, and it loves it. Um, I mean, it's a little bit less travel than what I was riding before. Uh, and the angles are not probably not as long as slack as some brands out there but i think coming from the dirt jump bmx background i don't mind that because mm. some bikes you get on them and t- until you get them up to 20 miles an hour they're, they're pretty sluggish they're not as sprightly so mine when you're going for like 20 30 miles that way it does feel a little bit maybe a little bit twitchier than the bigger bikes but up to that point it's so fast and so nimble and comes out of corners fast and jumps amazing. I mean, pound for pound, there's there can't be a bike out there that sort of can beat it. It's it's amazing how they've made that bike for the money. Mm, yeah, no, the stuff does look amazing. I have to admit. So, what model are you riding there? I'm on the Triple B for sort of enduro cross country sort of trail riding, and then I've got the Astronaut for skate parks and i've got a lost lass which is a ladies version of the men's road bike a ladies version of them all oh, right okay. yeah yeah um yeah yeah a few people have asked why i've done it um the men's version is a little bit longer a uh, bit more bit more stretched out the ladies is a little bit more compact so it's sort of a bit more comfortable for me it's not as sort of lean over the front you can sort of relax a little bit more on it and the, the angles just feel a lot better for me it's, it's hard to explain yeah and you've got the road bike to take it for training over the winter is that yeah that's it yeah yeah so any any time it's not icy or snowy i'll try and get out on for an hour or so on that or if i can't get out on the mountain bike due to any reason i'll just try and get an, a power hour on that sort of thing mm-hmm. yeah cool all right tell us a wee bit more about the boss nut um now, that was last year's model, isn't that right? Uh, yeah, the, the Boss Nut is the the Triple B's sort of younger brother, so to speak. Uh, it shares the same front triangle. 
the rear triangle's quick release, whereas mine's bolt through. Um, mm. Other than that, the travel's the same. Mine just comes with a 140 fork instead of a 130, so it's got a little bit of a slacker head angle. Right, okay, cool. And what kind of components is the, is the bike run? Um, it comes with WTB wheels, RockShox suspension front and rear, core handlebars and stem, Transex dropper seat post. Um, it's a three-piece crank that's kind of, it looks exactly the same as a Shimano Holotech system, but it's just unbranded. Um, and then WTB tires. Mm, yeah. So pretty good, good all-round you know, oh, yeah, package. Definitely. And do you mind yeah, telling definitely. us, what, what's the retail on that? Um, if you had the Go Outdoors card, it's one three nine nine. Jeez. Yeah, for a, a full suspension bike with a dropper post. Uh, oh, it's got it's got SRAM Guide RE brakes, which are the uprated brakes for the e-bikes, but they're put they're specking them onto that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, prices are good, eh? Yeah, yeah. I mean, the, to sort of get that spec on, say, uh, a sort of higher branded bike, you're going to be looking at at least a thousand pound more. Yeah, well. It's funny we're talking about this. Let me just pull a wee thing up here. I got um, got the latest issue of Single Tracks through their email, yeah. And they they've got their favourite 2019 Enduro mountain bikes. Yeah. The cheapest one on there is two and a half grand. No, that's dollars, right enough. But we pay about the same in pounds anyway, so it doesn't matter. Yeah. Um, and it's the YT Cabra, so it's straight it's straight to customer. Yeah. You know, but realistically the rest of them are there's three three and a half five almost six grand yeah you know so the bike you're getting there for the money you can't be bad to it at all no no i mean it's the cap was i think 160 travel so you'll get a little bit more travel out of it and maybe mm. a degree or two head angle and i dare say it'll probably have like um e13 wheels and stuff like that and maybe yeah. race race face components so that's maybe a little bit where the price point is but i mean for the thousand pound if you, if you're just sort of starting out mountain biking and you don't want to commit to two and a half thousand pound and you think oh the, the caliber for 1400 pound you can't go wrong i don't think i've spoke to anyone who's rode one or sort of sat on one and, and sort of had a go on one that has gone now i wouldn't buy this Mm-hmm. yeah and it's a great bike i think for somebody that's wanting to upgrade every couple of years or so or you know stuff like that likes to try a new bike every now and then that's a good way to do it yeah i mean yeah it is because they've they've got quite a good sort of selection as well um they do like aggressive hard tails uh road bikes uh full suspension so you even if you wanted to try a hard tail i think the line 10 is about seven hundred pound. That comes with a dropper, one thirty mil fork, one by ten gearing. So you can jump on one of them and go and thrash it around your local woods as well. Mm, cool man, cool. And and Mike's such a sound guy. So how did you how did you hook up with Mike and Caliber? Um, I sort I sort of got chatting to. Uh, there's a young rider that rides for Caliber called Kenzie Nevard, and I got chatting to his dad, and. Um, he sort of copied me in on an email with Mike, and we just got chatting. It's sort of gone from there. Very good, yeah. And and Mike got you got you loaded up. Yeah, yeah. Um, that's cool. Does does Mike and Caliber expect anything back from you? Um, not not as such. No, I mean just sort of keep posting, spreading the word, sort of um, showing what the bikes can do and stuff like that. I mean, I haven't got to go and 
enter 30 races a year or anything like that. It's it's just a really chilled out sort of thing. Mm, very good. And is that a 29 or that? Uh, no, mine's a 27.5. Right, okay, cool. Have you rode a 29? Uh, no, I haven't. I mean, I've seen images and um, sort of the, the bike that should be coming out soon, um, and that, that is a 29er. Mm. Yeah, I was just wanting to know your preference between the two. It's... No, I mean, I'll, I'm I'm looking forward to having a go on it, and from what I've heard from people, I probably will just ride that all the time. Yeah, yeah, cool. All right, good stuff. It's one of those old scenarios, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's going to rage on for years and years. Um, well, I'm still on a 26, so there you go. I'm old. School, uh, man. I see, yeah, man. 26 ain't dead. No, well, I think it's going to be dead very shortly. <laughs> nah, it's the thing with twenty sixes is, it, like, if you want to buy a second hand bike, you can pick them up for ridiculous money now because people are oh, so old technology and stuff like that. They're still wicked good fun. Yeah, ah, oh, certainly. Well, you know, and I know I spoke the last time we done this when it went badly wrong. I told you that I before I came out of Malta here, I, I test read a couple of the new Santa Cruz. Yeah, yeah. And one was 27.5, one was 29. Yeah. Um, I personally preferred the 27.5 because I think it's just closer to the 26 that I'm used yeah. to. Yeah, yeah. But my bike's almost 10 years old. And, you know, when I got on the Santa Cruz's, you're obviously, oh, this, these bikes are sick. Yeah. You know, and I thought when I went back onto my own bike that it's a specialized stump jumper and i just thought you know this thing's going to just be so old and heavy and see yeah. when i get back on it there's not a damn thing wrong with that bike no no definitely not um i mean specialized know what they're doing don't they so i mean to sort of jump from uh, technically what's a five gram bike to a 10 year old bike and, and be able to ride it just as good it, it shows that it, it's not always the bike mm, yeah i think at my level certainly you know the newer bikes I think the first thing I noticed was the wheel size. It was just, you definitely get more roll and, and yeah. you know, you definitely feel that. And yes, the bike's lighter and stuff like that, but I think it would learn you and it would definitely advance your skills. Yeah, yeah. They the, the, the thing with the newer bikes is because they're a bit slacker and the geometry is generally like a bit sort of more downward focused. Um, they inspire a lot more confidence. You feel like you can hit stuff faster and and sort of do stuff like that. So yeah, they're, they're definitely sort of there. There is a big difference between them. But if you can ride your old bike just as good as you can the new one, then then why go out and spend five six grand? Yeah, and you know, and you could pick up that kind of bike that mine for probably four or five hundred pound. Um, maybe yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. You know, crazy. Um, okay, tell us about some of your other sponsors then. Um, Flare Clothing, uh, Hannah and Ben uh, got chatting to them on Instagram and sort of said, can I ride for you? And they said, actually, yeah, because not everybody is a size medium and sort of having someone a bit bigger showcasing their stuff it would, would sort of benefit everyone. So, yeah. Um, and then I've got Helmetor, a uh, crazy, crazy guy who sort of come up with this contraption where you sort of attach your little hook to the wall that holds your helmet, keeps it out of the way for storage and stuff like that. Uh, 661 Protection are a new one. Uh, brand ambassador for them, gloves, helmets, shoes, 
and stuff like that. Uh, Deck Shell UK, super grateful to be on them, especially with the winter coming, waterproof socks and hats, um, bits like that. Horizon watches, uh, get stuff from them. A company called Velo Eye, uh, based in Scotland, does bike protection. You get an anti-tamper sticker. Stick it on your bike, scan the code. You get an app on your phone. If someone else has got a sticker on their bike, you can scan it, and it will flag whether it's stolen or not, and you can sort of report it to the police. That's pretty cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, they're really, really sort of clever idea because when you try and peel the sticker off, it just chips, so it leaves residue or scratches the paint and stuff like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, cool. And flare clothing's cool. I had Hannah back on the podcast. Um, I can't remember what episode that was, but it was back a wee while, and uh, I think it was episode forty, maybe off the top of my head. Uh, but yeah, Han- Hannah's such a cool girl, and she does that full time and stuff, so it's going really well for her. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, Hannah like puts a lot of time and effort into flare. She, I think, she does all the designing, sorts out all the materials and stuff like that. And yeah, that they are really nice. I mean, Ben's Ben's an absolute ripper on a bike. Uh, Hannah can hold her own as well. So I mean, to have people that come from biking and and know biking to be able to design the clothing that you wear and stuff like that is super good. Yeah, no, and their stuff's their stuff's cool. Stuff's nice. Yeah, yeah, it's really like I mean, I I love like all the the floral designs they do. It's it's like I absolutely love it. Yeah, it's pretty rad, pretty cool. Um, now, for young guys out there, Rob, looking at you and looking up to what you're doing there and stuff, and you've got these brands and sponsors and ambassadorships and stuff, so how did you go about doing that? What advice would you give somebody looking to do that kind um, of thing? Don't be worried to contact companies. Unless you're racing and getting the results, you, you're not really going to get noticed. So if like someone like me, you, you're Instagram-based, um, sort of like try and contact companies, sort of make them interested, let them know what you could do for them, see if you can help grow their brand, spread the word on their product. I mean, uh, at one point I was emailing companies and I'd say nine times out of ten, you'd get a response of... Um, sorry like we're not looking to take anyone on stuff like that but then you might get one that says yes and that one was flair for me um got with them and then a few other bits sort of started coming around and then i've got the caliber thing and it's just sort of all all gone from there Mm. and do you think when you get one you know the other ones take a wee bit more notice um yeah i think so i mean being on caliber now is is definitely having having a bike sponsor it's sort of that that's what everyone aims to sort of do when they're riding. If you can get a bike sponsor, like you sort of, it's amazing. Um, but yeah, I mean, if like other people sort of start to notice, I mean, my Instagram, when I started, I was on, when I signed for Flair, I was on about 200 followers. And oh. yeah, I'm just on about, I'm on about two, 250 at the minute, give or take a few. So I've, in this, in the space of a year, I've gained 2000 followers just from, posting and sort of doing stuff like that yeah no man it's your cool skills it's your flow dude <laughs> no i i'll try and i'll try and have flow and, and sort of do cool stuff but yeah i, th- I think what it is is because a, a lot of people can relate to me they they see me and think oh he's a, a bigger guy on a bike and and people are oh wow if 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 that guy can do it why can't i give it a try and i think it inspires people yeah, so send off emails, send off pigeon yeah, mail, whatever yeah, you want to do. Yeah, sort of, if, if you, if, I mean, what what I did was I sort of got a, like a little 
a little paragraph together and I just sort of copy and pasted it to to people on Instagram just to sort of see if they'd sort of show any interest. And sometimes they, they might not read the message. Sometimes you get a reply. Yeah. So just don't be demotivated. No, by no, it, no. If someone says no, just just keep trying. If you if you want it that much, you'll sort of go for it and just try and film something cool and stuff like that. And if people sort of like it in a couple of pages, sort of reshare it, it gets noticed more and more. Mm, cool. Do you think it keeps you motivated to ride, post up images and stuff when you have some brands behind you? Yeah, definitely. I'm like when you get like new products and stuff like that, you sort of like want to get it on your Instagram and sort of show. And I mean, I put I put a picture on yesterday of my my road bike, my dirt jump bike, and my trail bike all hanging on the wall, and like it's like a full fleet now. So it's like you take pride in that. And like when when you've got my new flare kit, you'd sort of get pictures. And I'd save certain certain jerseys for racing. So I saved one jersey for a race that I hadn't worn. Then on race day, I wore that just for sort of because I knew I'd get some footage and sort of pictures from it. Yeah, that's the stuff I like about Flair. You know, you recognise their stuff in images straight away. Yeah, definitely, definitely. Yeah, and their bright shorts and all is all really cool. Yeah, yeah. They, I mean, the I think my favourite top at the minute is possibly the black with the green three-quarter sleeves because yeah. it's just sort of, it's really subtle, but the detail and it's really, really nice. Yeah, no, that that's cool. Um, and that's good advice for young guys out there or anybody out yeah, there that's maybe yeah. doing something and wants to have a wee bit of help. Yeah. No, awesome. Now, how do you stay stoked, Rob? How do you keep your stoke up and, and keep your passion for getting out there? Um, I, I mean, when you sort of, like when I, I did the 360 the other week and posted that on Instagram and a lot of people comment and it sort of makes you think, oh, I, thought, like, I need to keep sort of posting cool stuff because uh, people like it, people want to see it. Um, I mean, sometimes I go out and just ride for me. Like I, I don't really do much videos or I'll only take a picture of my bike um and i'll go out and just enjoy riding but a lot of the time i do go out and i'm like oh, i need to try and get a, a little clip just to sort of post on insta or sort of try and get a little clip to see if i'm getting faster on certain sections of trails and stuff like that just try and mix it up a little bit try not to sort of have too much of the same like so i'll do like a few skate park videos and then i'll try and do like a, a trail bike and stuff like that but yeah just just try and have fun as long as you're having fun you'll want to do it more and more yeah, totally. And do you think, you know, having to do these Instagram posts and having to always have that in the back of your mind, does it ever take away from the ride? Do you ever feel like, um, just why go and ride today? I can't be a baller doing this. No, no, not at all. I mean, there, there's some days where I just, I will just go out and just ride. Um, and like sometimes when I go to the skate park, I'll, I'll just be filming other people and like watching what they're doing and just having a laugh and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you, you do just go out and just think, nah, I'm just going to go out and just smash as hard as I can and, and do a big trail ride or just go and ride some corners with your mates and, you, yeah, not necessarily always film it or take pictures. Yeah, no, that's cool that you don't feel guilty and you have to be doing that all the time. No, no. I think if you if you sort of got into that mindset, it would probably eat away at you and you'd, you'd feel like you have to do something really cool all the time or you have to sort of go out and do the biggest jumps and sort of gnarliest stuff you can find just to keep people interested mm. yeah so don't go at it from that perspective just go and have a bit of cry yeah that's it yeah yeah cool 
And what about the winter? Um, do you see a bit of downtime in the winter? Is your road bike going to get you out more often? What uh, yeah, I mean, the road bike will, as long as it's not too icy and snowy. Um, but generally, I don't shy away from riding in the winter. If it's raining, snowing, I'll go out and try and ride as much as I, I, I can, sort of, as in the summer. Uh, having the dirt jump bike and being able to go to the skate park is going to be a massive help this winter. Just in there, sort of, like, maybe two nights a week and see what happens yeah no that's a great advantage of having an indoor place isn't it yeah i mean being that close to me i can i can jump in the car and it's 10 minutes away yeah cool and do you use any different gear over winter or do you just layer up what uh, um, i will generally put like a bib short on just to keep my back warm and where now i've got my waterproof materials i can put them on uh, but no, it's just generally a good pair of gloves, good jacket, still wear shorts, and just maybe maybe a snood just to keep my neck warm. Uh, but other than that, no, don't really go too crazy. Yeah, no, that's cool. If you're cold, you're too slow. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, I mean, if if you if you sort of stop and start getting cold, then you're in trouble. Especially like if you're quite far away and it's hard to get warm again. Yeah, cool. Now, you touched on it a wee bit earlier, but I've noticed on your Instagram as well that you had done a couple of races this season. Yeah, yeah. Um, just a couple of sort of like roots races, nothing sort of major, not anything serious, just sort of turn up, have a laugh. And they actually turned out all right. I, I was quite surprised with my result. So it shows me that I'm, I'm not that far off the pace sort of thing. Yeah, cool. And going to your first race... Were you nervous? Was it a bit different? What way did you? Yeah, I mean, when you when I was practicing, I was absolutely fine. Um, got to my first race run, got on the start ramp, and I was like, "Oh, I feel sick." And I, <laughs> I pulled I pulled my helmet on, and he sort of said thirty seconds, and I was like, "Right, okay, put your goggles on." Once my goggles were on, my feet were on the pedals, and I was ready to go. The nerves just sort of went away, and. I was like, oh, I'm just riding my bike. Just have fun, but try and push a little bit harder. And it, it was strange. Like, when you race, you don't ride the same as when you're just riding. It's almost like you, you're a bit more attentive and you, you just try and push that a little bit harder. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and it's probably quite good for you. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Um, you know, and I know there's some people out there that just have no interest in racing, and it's no. not all about racing. And you no, don't no. have to race, no. you know. Um, but that race you were doing was slightly different. It wasn't enduro. It wasn't a downhill. Tell us a wee bit about uh, it. It's just it's, it was like a, a mini sort of DH. It wasn't big jumps or drops or massive gaps. It was just sort of tight corners, rooty sections. Um, so anyone could ride it. There, I mean, there was like eight-year-old kids. There was fifty-year-old guys. So it was a bit of everything. But it was just, it was only like a minute track, but it was, because it was tight and technical, you had to be smooth. You couldn't break and skid into corners. You couldn't sort of like push too hard and fly into a corner because you just lose too much time. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And did you do two runs? What way did it work? Uh, yeah. Yeah. A couple of practice runs and then two runs in the actual race run. Um, I think I, my first race, I was roughly about the same time. My second race, I was half a second up on my first run cool man cool um so you make it to the end and then do you just make your way back up to the start again yeah well you you, there was sort of 200 riders so you sort of had a bit of time to chill in between have a drink have a chat sort of do what you needed to do and then maybe 15 20 minutes before your race run just start sort of wandering back up to the top of the hill 
Yeah, cool. Um, what was the Spectators like there? Um, it's quite good, actually. I mean, you sort of had them all the way down the hill, and a few people know your name, so they were cheering you. But generally, everyone had, like, horns and stuff and cheering everyone that was coming past. So as you were coming past and you sort of heard that, you were like, oh, yeah, I've got to push, I've got to stay on the bike, I've got to try and, like, get down to the bottom. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the worst thing you want to do is come out in a corner in front of everyone. Oh, no. <laughs> Yeah, oh man, that was crazy. Uh, so, did you practice any different on the run up to the races? Um, the first race, I didn't practice the track until the day, so I only got a few runs in. I tried not having any beer or trying to like eat a bit better in the week leading up to it. And then the second race, I got there a day before and managed to get a couple of practice runs in, so it wasn't all crammed into the Sunday, so it was a bit more relaxed for me. Cool, man, cool. And you enjoyed it anyway? You're going and... Oh, yeah, absolutely loved it. Um, I like, I've, I've never raced, and going to them, I was like, why have I never raced before? I mean, like you say, some people are not interested in it, but I, I, I don't know, it's it's weird feeling, sort of. You get in the start gate, and you want to push. So if you haven't raced, I, I'd, I'd sort of give it a try. Don't be nervous. Everyone, everyone's gone for the same reason. If you come first or you come last, you've entered, you've had fun. Yeah, no, that's a good way to look at it for certain. Now, I noticed in one of your posts, uh, it was either today or yesterday, uh, Ard Rock? Uh, yeah, Ard Rock Enduro, yeah. I um, I wasn't going to sign up for it, and I woke up yesterday morning and sort of looked on my phone and saw someone had signed up for it. So I went on the website and thought, oh, it's going to be sold out, and uh, I managed to get a place for next year. So, yeah, I'm really, really happy with that. Cool. And tell us a wee bit about that. Where is it? Uh, it's in the Yorkshire Dales, and I've only entered the sport, which is a sort of slightly shorter track, but it's still a full day on the bike, like six hours. Um, and I've spoke to people that did it this year, and they've done like the full full enduring. It's like 40 kilometres and stuff wow. like that. So it's, it's a long old day on the bike, but it's a whole weekend. It's like a mini festival. So it's going gonna, it's gonna to be really good fun. And a lot of people from Instagram have sort of said, oh, where could you go in? And I've noticed they're going and we're going to sort of try and meet up when we're there and sort of have a bit of a chat on the Saturday and stuff like that. And maybe even do some of the sort of transitions to the stages together so we can all sort of keep in high spirits. Yeah, cool. Because so, there's bands and everything playing yeah, as a real Yeah, yeah there, there's like pump track challenges and stuff like that. So, yeah, it'd be wicked. Massive. And when's that? Uh, it's August, 4th of August next year, so I've got a bit right. of time to train. <laughs> yeah, you may be training a wee bit definitely. Yeah, for that God, one, yeah God knows I'm going to need it. <laughs> um, okay, let's chat a wee bit about just some general stuff. Um, yep. I've got a few questions just to, to ask you. Yeah, cool. Um, what's your favourite piece of gear? Um. Oh. I've got two. It's got to be my trail bike and my dirt jump bike, um, purely because I just get so much time on the dirt jump bike at the minute. But then when I get on the trail bike, it, it absolutely rips. It reminds me of, like, even just going out in the woods locally, it reminds me why I got into mountain biking. You just go out, you're in the, in the countryside, you're just enjoying being out in nature. Mm, yeah, that's what it's all about. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's cool that, you know, the, the BMX skate park type thing and the trail riding is very, very different, but they they work well together. Like, Yeah, definitely. I mean, you could go, I could go skate park tonight, ride there for a couple of hours and then go out on the trail bike tomorrow and ride sort of like loamy corners and berms and jumps and stuff and maybe be a bit more on it. 
because of riding the dirt jump bike. So it, it's weird how it works both ways. Yeah, I'm just thinking for, you know, guys over the winter and, you know, it, it can be very easy to just hang your bike up and forget about it over the winter. Yeah. Because it's cold and, you know, I understand that. I totally understand that. And maybe friends pull out at the last minute and you have all those scenarios in the winter. And the skate park, especially if it's indoors, obviously, is a really good way to keep on the on the pedal. Yeah, definitely, definitely. I mean, if if anyone's got a local indoor skate park near them and they can go, I, I'd try and go as much as possible over the winter because by the time the spring and the summer comes, you'll be a different rider for it. Yeah, cool, man, cool. That's good, good advice. Um, piece of gear you would like if money was no option? Uh, honestly, at the minute, it would be the GoPro Hero 7, um purely because of i'm sort of i've dabbled a bit in youtube and um that side of it so i'm going to try and sort of push that a bit more so a gopro would be amazing for filming everything and then generally just videos in the skate park so you don't have to do it all on your phone but a lot of my content is a mix between phone and gopro and i try and splice it together so it works Mm, yeah it really works yeah, I mean, there was a video I put on last week of it was sort of chest cam and then a sort of third-person view of me on the bike, and it was spliced together through GoPro and phone footage, so it was really hard to try and get it to work. Yeah, yeah, cool. And that new GoPro, is that waterproof as well? Uh, yeah, it's literally got everything. It's, it's got a hyper-smooth on it, so you don't need a gimbal. So if you want to just go and slap it on your helmet, you've not got to worry about stabilisation and stuff like that. That's pretty crazy yeah, technology. Yeah. Huh? What kind of money is something like uh, that? I think it's about three seven nine, something like that. So it's not it's not a bank killer, but it yeah. it's I think like that sort of thing would take sort of like the YouTube side of it and maybe the Insta videos just to a next level. Yeah. Yeah, a problem with a lot of the YouTube footage is if it is quite shaky, uh, you can only watch it for so long. Yeah, you get almost like motion sickness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Yeah, totally. And, you know, it's funny because I had Brian Kennedy from his YouTube channel, BKXC. Yeah. And besides Seth Bike Hacks, I think he's probably the second biggest on YouTube. Oh, yeah, yeah, massive. Um, And he was telling me about his gear and stuff and because uh, he used the gimbal and all that. Yeah. And um, it was quite interesting chatting to him and about what gear he uses because it's not – if you're wanting to do that and do it as professionally as Brian, it's yeah. not – overly expensive you can't get gear yeah you? i think you can get a gimbal setup and everything probably and the gopro for less than a thousand pounds and when you look at it at oh it's a thousand pound but if you're able to put out videos like he does and get the following like a million subscribers on youtube and stuff like that a thousand pound it's short term sort of oh it's going to be expensive but long term like yes i'm going to do really well with it Mm-hmm. yeah certainly no and watching guys like that that's the way they go anyway them guys are killing them. oh yeah definitely i mean like he like the stuff he rides is like technically like amazing and stuff like that and like he he's able to commentate while he's riding and that in itself is is, is a pretty good skill to have yeah yeah definitely um okay piece of gear you were most surprised by uh piece of gear i was most surprised by um it's a weird one because a lot of people say do you notice a difference but um oval chain rings 
really? Yeah, okay. I, I, I ride uh, Absolute Black Oval Chainring on the trail bike, and I had it on my old bike. And I I was like, ah, it ain't going to make that much difference. And when you get on a big trail ride and you start hill climbing, you notice the difference. It's almost like you could put it into, instead of being in first gear up a hill, you could drop it down to second and push through that sort of dead spot in the pedaling. Yeah, that's really interesting because I had Owen from Emerald MTB on the podcast and he loves oval chains. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's surprising like how how different it makes your bike climb it's weird yeah, yeah he said the same thing it gives yeah. you almost like a gear and a half yeah, or something that's he was it. Reckoning. wow that's interesting okay that's cool um now piece of gear everybody should have helmet do you see many people on the trail without helmets? um not necessarily nowadays but it used to be like quite a big thing where uh, dirt jumpers didn't really wear them BMXs didn't really wear them but even people like riding down the street um, I've seen enough people come off and go over the handlebars in the street and stuff like that e- even just even just the normal helmet stops you from smashing your face into the into the ground as hard it, uh, like uh, I can't like it's crazy how much wearing a helmet makes such a difference to your riding like if I went to Woburn and rode without a helmet, I'd feel almost naked. I wouldn't want to try anything. Mm-hmm. But just having that helmet on just makes you feel like, oh, if I come off, I'm not going to die. Yeah. And the first, I've always had a helmet on my bike, yeah. but the first experience I had of something like that was when I snowboarded. I snowboarded maybe for the first five or six years without a helmet. Yeah. And then I was advised to get a helmet. And a lot of the places we were going, you weren't allowed in the parks without a helmet. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so I just got a helmet, and I'll tell you what, you actually, you actually board better. Yeah. You push a wee bit harder, I think. Yeah, it's like... Maybe not a good thing. No, no, it is, it's good. Um, <laughs> it's like, if I wear a trail helmet, like an open face, I don't feel as confident as I do with a full face. Mm. It's weird, but just having that full face on, you know that if you come off, you're totally covered. Yeah, and how do you find? I've never actually ridden with a full face now on the mountain bike. Yeah. How do you find that? Do you, do you lose a lot of pervethial? No, I mean not? I I always wear goggles with mine and and don't really struggle with any sort of vision with it. Um, I I I absolutely love. It. If I could ride with one all the time, um, like even on long trail rides, like in the Peak District and stuff, I probably would. But it's just the heat element of it. I mean, there is helmets out these days that have got a lot more ventilation. But just having a trail helmet on in the summer, especially, is really nice for like just trail riding and cross country. But then if you go downhill and just have that full face just for protection. Yeah, no, certainly because you know my friend who's um, he wouldn't be the most confident on a bike. Um, I haven't ridden with him for quite a while, but he came off in the trail. And he, I mean, he was half an inch away from smashing his yeah, face yeah. off a tree. You know, and see, after that, he just went out and got a full face helmet. Yeah, yeah. You know, he's seen it in slow motion. He's seen the tree coming towards his face. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> yeah, it, it, like, when you get that, you're like, ooh. You're like, and it makes you think, like, that could have easily been my eye gone or something like that. So I always try and ride with glasses as well, mm, especially, yeah, like, trail riding. Yeah, cool. Because uh, that's something I don't do. I don't wear glasses, which yeah. I really should. And there's really good ones there now you can get. There's yeah, really yeah, good ones you definitely. can get. 
Yeah, okay, cool. Um, before I let you go there, Rob, um, have you anything planned for the future, bar or rock? Um, I will try and enter a few more races before that. Um, try and do some sort of like mini enduros and mini downhills. Keep on the skate park as much as possible. Um, try and just get more riding in, just sort of so I'm a better rider for next year. Mm, cool. And as far as caliber goes, do you give Mike and the guys feedback and stuff like that? Uh, yeah, I mean, I've, I've spoke to Mike about the Triple B, um, and from what I can gather, the new bike that they're sort of designing and stuff is going to be just next level. So I'm really excited to sort of get on that and give it a try. Mm. Is that something you'd be interested in doing something like that, like rider feedback and working maybe? In that yeah, community? yeah, definitely. If if sort of if someone asked me, and I honestly think it's not not as good as it could be, I would let them know. Sort of like if a handlebar felt like it was the wrong sweep or the stem didn't feel like it was the right sort of feeling, I'd sort of go back and say, no, that's not right. You need to try and do this to it or something like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's funny because I was reading the thing couple of weeks ago and i was chatting about getting reader um rider feedback proper rider feedback the the bike brands are crying out for people that can do it apparently it's a very difficult skill yeah because i mean like a lot of people um sort of get on a bike and it doesn't feel that different to other bikes so if you can get on a bike and feel the difference in corners and like when you jump in and like how the compression works and whether it's soft and wallowy or quite firm if you can do that i think it's a really good skill to have like i i don't look at numbers when i sort of do bikes some people look at geometry and go oh it's, the, it's this angle and that if i get on a bike and it feels right then i'll just set the suspension up for me and that's it and that's how it stays i don't mess about with ang- like headsets and angle sets and bar heights i just put it on and once that's it it's it yeah it's interesting because you would think it would um you know if you couldn't do that with a bike it almost would say well you're not that great a rider but it's completely nothing to do with no that. no because yeah. the article was saying like the mechanics with pro riders motocross anything like that that setups are changing all the time they would say that the pro would come in, you know, top of yeah, the game, yeah, yeah, like the yeah. best in the world. They would come in, they'd say, that bike feels fine. Yeah. And then the guys would maybe be shifting stuff like an inch or yeah, yeah. almost an inch. And yeah. the rider would come back in and just say, it just feels the same. Yeah. You know, and they were kind of like stand scratching their heads. But yeah. some people just, I think, you know. I think the worst one for it, I mean, not worst because he's, he's an amazing rider, but Greg Minard nearly every run he changes someone on his bike like he'll add a 0.5 mil stem spacer and stuff like that just to make it feel different and he can tell the difference in 0.5 mil on a stem stacker to normal it's insane like the amount of difference just a slight little change you'll do on your bike that's crazy to be able to tell that. yeah yeah it's, it's kind oh. of like jumping from a downhill bike to a hardtail bike and being able to ride it the same it, mm. it's that sort of side of it you can feel what's going on with the downhill bike and then you jump on the hardtail and you can feel what's going on with that so your body automatically adjusts to riding the hardtail yeah yeah you should look into that dude because companies are crying out for people that can do that <laughs> yeah i mean a lot of people one of my mates who i've sort of known the longest riding bill he sort of says to me you can jump on any bike and ride it so mm. it's not a bad skill to have yeah, cool, man, cool. 
All right, dude. Listen, thanks so much. Your work and people find you. Where can they follow you? Um, I Instagram at Robalcoat the Bear and YouTube, which I'm going to start putting more time and sort of effort into adventures with the bear. Um, other than that, just sort of on them two channels. Excellent, dude. That's cool. That is cool. Well, here, Rob, thanks so much for coming on, man. It's been a pleasure to chat to you again. No worries. You too, mate. You too. <laughs> and uh, if there's any audio issues, um, I'll drop you an email. Yeah, sweet. <laughs> Thank you, mate. <laughs> all right, dude, here. Have a good evening, yeah. and uh, I hope your weekend goes well and all, dude. All right? You too, mate. Speak to you soon. Thanks, Rob. All the best. Bye. That's a wrap for episode 61, folks. I hope you enjoyed that episode and got plenty from it. And Rob, I certainly enjoyed having you on the show, man. So thanks so much for coming on. It was a blast chatting to you and a blast hearing what you're up to um, today and in the near future. So thanks so much, dude. It was really cool to have you on the show. Now, folks, if you want to know more about Rob, just simply go to the website, mtb-tribe.com, and go to the show notes there. You'll find out more. You'll find out links to what we were chatting about with Rob about the skate park, his brands, his his sponsorships all that kind of thing is all on there for quick and easy access for you you can read a wee bit more about the interview there also so check that out so folks, thanks again if you would be so kind to rate, share the show with friends just take a a screenshot, anything like that and, and share it out across social media I would really appreciate that and also tag me in it so I can see that Um, That would be awesome, folks. I'd really appreciate it and get the word of the show out. So thanks so much. Again, you can follow us on socials at MTB Tribe and at MTB Tribe on Facebook and Instagram. And uh, that's great, folks. And if you want to hear from anybody on the show or you want a topic shared on the show, just drop me an email or drop me a DM message on the socials and um, I will try my best to do that for you. So, folks, thanks so much for being here. Have a great weekend. I hope you get pushing those pedals and uh, you enjoy yourself. But take care on the trails, and I'll speak to you next week with another MTB Tribe podcast.